I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. A new novel that I've started and uh, finding it hard to put down is The Singing Forest. Its author, Judith McCormack, joins me now and I'll ask her about her book and how she wrote it and why. In the book, we're taken to Belarus, where in a forest is... uh, the long-kept secret of the mass grave where Stalin's police murdered thousands in the 1930s. In Canada, in the present, a young lawyer named Leah Jarvis is tasked with the deportation of an elderly man, Stefan Drotz, who fled to Canada many years earlier to take on a new identity. Leah has to travel to Belarus seeking hard facts, asking complex questions, The ideas of justice, vengeance, and motive are contended with, and it's fascinating to think about as uh, time has passed from the crimes themselves. Heritage, inheritance, and memory are also investigated in the book. That is quite engaging. Judith McCormack's writing has been shortlisted for the Writer's Trust Fiction Prize, the Commonwealth Writer's Fiction Prize, the Journey Prize, and the Amazon First Novel Award. Her short stories have appeared in the Harvard Review, Discant, and The Fiddlehead, among other publications. She has several law degrees and is the recipient of the Law Society Medal and the Guthrie Award for Access to Justice. Visit judithmccormack.com for more. This new book is published by BiblioOasis. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Judith McCormack. Ms. McCormack, good morning. Morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, as I was telling you just before we started, I, I've started the book, and I'm enjoying it a great deal. Um, there, there's a line early on that um, uh, I keep going back to. Um, someone's describing something, and they say it's grim but fascinating. Um, that, that's the sort of feeling I had about the book, if, if, you, if you don't <laughs> mind. I, I, I found it um, um, just riveting to read. Um, there is um, uh, obviously parts of the book that are, that are grim, but there's a lot of humor too, isn't there? Yes, there is. I mean, I, I I try not to reduce my readers to despair. <laughs> so I was trying to make sure that it was a book that people would actually enjoy reading. Yeah, it, it's very enjoyable. Um, our, our protagonist, Leah Jarvis, how old is she? How old is she? Well, I would say, let's see. She, You know, the, the characters float around in my mind, but I think she's probably in her 30s. I see. And so she's a lawyer. 20s and, or 30s. Yeah, 20s or 30s, yeah. So she's a lawyer, and uh, th- this case that she's involved with is what? Uh, it's a deportation case um, for um, a man, a war criminal. Uh, they're trying to deport him from Canada on the basis that he lied to get into the country many years ago. So it is many years ago, and um, uh, him coming to Canada, Droz, is that how you pronounce it? Droz, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is the allegation in terms of, of what role he had with the mass graves? Well, that's something that emerges over the book, um, but uh, certainly it's clear um, towards the end that he has actually been involved in executing civilians uh, in a forest in Belarus. I see. And so th- these graves, w- when were they discovered? They were actually discovered, this Kuropati site, this mass grave site that has... Um, uh, up to 250,000 bodies, and it was discovered in the late 80s. Um, and uh, it was um, it really sent a lot of shockwaves through the country at the time, uh, although, of course, many people knew about it, but mm-hmm. it was unacknowledged. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, that's the thing that, that I keep thinking about as I'm reading the book, is because is, uh, we hear stories about this uh, from time to time, um, where uh, something, there's something in the news about someone on trial, 
uh, for their role, say, in a concentration camp. Uh, you know, and then people inevitably ask the question whether, you know, it's necessary because a lot of these people are, are these various defendants are quite elderly. Um, but it is necessary, isn't it? I mean, these things are, are vital um, because patterns of, of hate, um, anti-Semitism especially, they keep coming back, don't they? Well, and also, I mean, I guess if we let them get away with it, yeah. simply because they haven't done anything horrible recently. Yeah. Um, we're really failing in our sort of fidelity to the idea of justice and the idea of some sort of overarching social morality. Like, why should the elapse of time make a difference? Um, it, all it means is that if you can um, successfully hide yourself away for a period of time, then you can escape the consequences of truly terrible crimes. And, um, you know, we're not talking about parking tickets here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like in Canada, we do have sort of a, uh, it's not a statute of limitations, but a limitation period for things like summary conviction offenses, but not for indictable offenses, the so serious offenses. Yeah. The other thing that strikes me as I'm reading The Singing Force is, is that, um, I mean, it's obviously work for a writer to write, but do you have some enjoyment as you're doing it? Yes, I often do. Uh, you know, often I, I love it. Um, I have to admit I didn't like the parts of it that are kind of grim. Sure, <laughs> they were yeah. grim to write to. But, um, but certainly um, the rest of it, you know, um, it, you know, stuff will float into your head from who knows where, and you're looking at it thinking, I wrote that? I don't believe it. I wrote <laughs> that. And, and, you know, so that part is um, tremendously fun. And then I find polishing and editing it is tremendously fun, you know, thinking about words the whole time, the exact nuance or, you know, the, um, the precise wording that you want to use here, the rhythm of the sentences, all that kind of stuff is, uh, is wonderful. Yeah, the, the parts that I am, I am enjoying as I'm reading the book are where you invoke um, certain words to uh, illustrate uh, feelings or places that, um, you know, that... I obviously have never been to or that I'm experiencing at that precise moment. And um, I can tell that, because um, I don't write, um, that uh, as a writer, that, that that's probably a, a, the fun part of it, where you really are taking a, a, a very close look at what you've written and changing things, moving things around, perhaps. Yeah, and also, I mean, um, you're, you're usually trying to um, write things in sort of new, fresh ways you know, or innovative ways, different ways of thinking about it, different kind of combinations of words, different kinds of rhythms. Um, and so that's as much fun for the writer as it is for the reader. Mm -hmm. So, so for, for Leah, I mean, one would think that, that uh, a war crimes case was, was a slam dunk, um, that, that these things are black and white, right or wrong. Um, but but in, in Leah's case, she does have some doubts, doesn't she? Well, she certainly has doubts as to, originally, at the beginning, she certainly has doubts as to um, whether he's guilty of the things uh -huh. that are alleged. Um, and then as it becomes clearer and clearer that he is, she has doubts about the strength of the case, whether they're going to be successful or not, um, because the evidence is, um, uh, you know, is uh, in some cases fragile. Yeah, this calls to mind something that... that um you know, we see a lot of from time to time is um, whether something goes to trial, um, whether it is prosecuted or not. And, and um, you know, I guess 
the, the Crown, in, in, in this country at least, has to decide whether the, the case is, say, winnable. Um, but, but again, you know, I go back to this point that, that um, you know, with a war crime, one would think that, that, that that's something that one should pursue. But at the end of the day, you know, you're dealing with public resources, too, at the, at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. This is something that yeah. has to be considered, right? Right. Right. And also, I mean, I guess, um, yeah. I mean, they, they also, one of the problems, though, I mean, I, you know, I, I am very much of the view that it, it's worth prosecuting uh-huh. uh, elderly war criminals. But um, but it, there certainly are issues with evidence as a result, yeah. and uh, you know one of the arguments made on behalf of those criminals is that um, you know they don't have access to evidence anymore that the access, you know that the evidence has faded away or um, you know witnesses have died or uh, memories are fragile and so on and so that is one of the arguments that's uh, made and that does create problems in terms of whether it's uh, you know, worthwhile to prosecute these cases. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, that the, the defendants are in a different country altogether, and, and them going back, say, even just to, for, for their own case, or, or going to prepare, if you will, um, mm-hmm. th- that's not possible. And in, in, in your book, I guess Leah does go back to Belarus, doesn't she? Yes, she does, yeah. yeah. And so what does she find there? I mean, what is she looking for, even? I mean, I know she's working on a case, but, but she, she does find something more than that, doesn't she? Yes, I mean, she's, she's looking for witnesses for this case, um, but she's also discovering a country. I mean, uh, she hasn't been there before, and she's discovering the food and the richness of it and the countryside and the beauty of it. There's a, a, there's a kind of stark beauty of it. And so she's discovering all that, but also she's discovering a people. I mean, one of the things about uh, Kuropati, the grave site, is that... Um, even before it was sort of officially discovered and revealed, um, at the time, um, people who lived around it had dug up some of the corpses and posed them by the side of the road reading newspapers. And so it was kind of a way of bringing attention to this, um, but at the same time there was a kind of, I I suppose, a kind of humor or irony to Uh it uh that is, you know, not untypical of Belarusians. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So she it, was discovering that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, it, it is a fascinating place. I mean, it's an, another country that I've, say, thought about in, 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 in recent years. Um, it, it is shaped by its history, isn't it? I mean, it's geography as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, yes, you went there, is it, I understand. I, Pardon? I went, you went there, I understand. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Uh, well, again, it was, it was uh, fascinating. Um, my grandfather came from there, so I was particularly interested. <clears throat> uh, Minsk itself is a, an interesting combination of ancient and modern. Um, it's an interesting mix of people, uh, less of a mix than before the Nazis came in, but, um, but still, you know, an interesting mix. Um, and um, uh, it's, you know, um, it's just got a very uh, rich and varied history um, and culture. Um, now, it, you know, it, it's suffered under the current government. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Um, and the current events, actually, in Belarus are, you know, highly problematic from that point of view. Um, yeah, it's still uh, shaped by its geography, isn't it? Yes, yes. The fact that it is landlocked, but the fact that it uh, borders on these other countries also means that this 
recent, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a strategy or a tactic on the part of the government um, to lure migrants there and then to um, try and send them into bordering countries like Poland. Um, you know, the, the fact that they're landlocked gives them the opportunity to do that. What of um, Leah's heritage or her background say does she know about? <clears throat> well, she knows about her Jewish background uh -huh. uh, from her aunt, um, and um, uh, she certainly knows a little bit about her father's side of the family, but not that much about her her father himself. Um, and, you know, she knows uh, a bit about her mother from her aunt as well. And so, so part of the book too is is, is discovering um, her her heritage, isn't it? Yeah, right. Of course, yeah. yes. She's um, she's thinking about um, you know um, where she came from and um, what it means to be a hybrid. You know, I mean, mm. there are and um, so she's uh, what we would colloquially call half Jewish. Um, it, that's not what's considered if uh, under sort of the Jewish protocols, if your mother is Jewish, you're all Jewish, um, which is the case in her situation. But half Jewish is a good way of describing what it means. Um, and, um, and so that's uh, an interesting thing because more and more in society you see people that are hybrids. You know, they're half this, they're half that. Sure, yeah. um, and so in some ways that's the wave of the future. And in fact, even for uh, for Jews, there's a very high proportion of intermarriage with non-Jews. And so, even for Jews, um, half Jews, as we would say, uh -huh. are the are the wave of the future as well in many ways. Yeah, and 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 um, they'll the pose a wonderful uh, uh, discussion, I think, in future years as to who's Jewish, mm -hmm. um, if if say the the, the 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 maternal line is not the way that one gets there, say. Yeah, Jewish, the line is, yeah, it's the way that one gets there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, aside from those rules, I mean, you know, those are um, sort of religious rules. Yeah. But, you know, the question of uh, being culturally Jewish, for mm, example, right. wouldn't depend on that, right. you know. Um, and, uh, and the whole idea of, you know, how hybrids are perceived, you know, that they're not one thing or the other, they're not Jewish enough, or they're, you know, too Jewish for other people, you know, like it's, it's and, and that's true, I think, for other hybrids, too. There's this um, mixed identity um, that is um, complicated. Yeah, it's, it's a necessary thing to, to contend with if, if, if one is in that position. Um, mm -hmm. Right. I, I gather that uh, the concept, our conception of truth is something that you look at in the book. I, uh, memory plays a, a part into that because, you know, two different people can have two ideas of what's truthful. Um, do you like thinking about things like that as you're writing a book, like The Singing Forest? Yeah. Oh, no, I find those things, you know, uh, extremely interesting. I mean, when you think about, um, I mean, part of the problem with memory is how people perceive things in the first place, as you said, um, and people perceive things quite differently. Um, and then when they sort of lay down the memories and um, in the course of retaining them and then in the course of retrieving them, there's a lot of selecting and editing that's going on in there. Um, so um, that doesn't mean that there isn't something fairly reliable mm -hmm. um, at the core of it. Um, 
but it does mean that, you know, uh, it can be highly problematic. And certainly when you're trying to say what actually happened here and you're faced with different explanations, of course, you know, the obvious thing is that people lie as well. But even, you know, well-intentioned people may uh, remember things very differently. And so memory is very fragile and corruptible. We know that. Um, but it's also incredibly powerful because, of course, it brings these events from the past into the future or into the present. Yeah, and then it, it, it um, uh, can be deployed to, say, um, purposes like testifying against somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And, and that, that's something you look at in the book, the motivation as to, to why people would, would um, say, testify. I mean, that's a fascinating thing. I mean, uh, in, in a court proceeding, some people are compelled to legally to do so. But um, there are instances where, you know, there's a lot of discussion or, or, or um, thinking about having to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes well, inducements as well. Right. Um, because she discovers at a certain point that the witnesses have been paid. Mm. Um, and now there are many circumstances where it's permissible to pay witnesses um, for many things, but... Um, in this case, there's some suspicion in her mind that um, she's not sure whether they've been paid for the, you know, inconvenience of, you know, older people crossing sure. the ocean to testify or for, um, you know, concocting their stories. Um, probably not concocting their stories, I guess I would say. Probably uh, more a matter of uh, strengthening their mm. stories. Um, uh, but... Um, but she's not sure of that. And so then there's all kinds of interesting questions that arise out of that. She, there's no doubt in her mind, and I think there's no doubt in the book, that he has committed um, terrible crimes. Um, but, you know, it, it, are there any circumstances where it would be permissible for witnesses to, um, you know, morally permissible, I guess, yeah. for them to, you know, change their testimony to you know, ensure that he receives some measure of justice as a result? You know, I, I, that's a complicated question, too. <laughs> yeah, that's something that you, you also look at in the book is justice. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess a lot of us conflate that with, say, vengeance, revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, hate can also play a part, which all, which obviously complicates things in, in terms of pursuing justice, right? Right. Um, but it's not, I mean, I think, it, you know, the the idea of justice, like um, generally, in part, the idea that we're pursuing this is to deter other people. Mm. You know, that's one of the rationales for it. Um, but um, but and but there, you know, there is an element of retribution, um, you know, involved. Uh, I think it's probably, um, you know, it's the flip side of the idea of letting people get away with it. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, it seems inimical to us to let people get away with things. Um, but the other side of it is uh, probably some measure of vengeance. So uh, I think these elements are things that have to be kept in some kind of balance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which makes for a fascinating experience as one reads the book, um, because it, it is, there was a lot of nuance when, when it comes to these things. Um, by the way, I read in your bio that you, you lived in Vancouver for a spell, is that right? 
Right. Yes, I did. Yeah, what <laughs> I part? went to Simon Fraser for a year. Oh, did you? I see. Yeah. Did, did you live in Vancouver itself or in Burnaby? No, I lived in Burnaby. I Rainy see. Burnaby. Yeah, that's about the, which is uh, what Vancouver is this week. Rainy Vancouver. Yeah, I was going to say rainy all over. <laughs> yeah. Um, the forest itself, where these bodies are buried. Um, did you go there? And and I'm wondering yes. what what it's like exactly. Uh, well, it's kind of eerie because um, you know part of it's roped off, um, yeah. and you know. Uh, and, you know, presumably that's where the bodies are. Um, but you, you can't be sure. I mean, it's not a very big place. Mm-hmm. And there's, if there's 250,000 bodies there, you know, they're not entirely sure where everything is. And so you do have that kind of, you do wonder whether you're watching over people's bones. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you managed to get there. Um, uh, was it was was it specifically for research for this book, or, or were you there on a holiday? Or well, we it, partly it started out as kind of a a, a roots trip because of my grandfather coming uh-huh. from Belarus. Yeah. But then when I started to read about Kuropati, then it also kind of turned into a bit of a research trip too, or potential research, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we ended up going to Kuropati um, to to see what it was like. And, I mean, as well as being eerie, there's there's also the kind of, it's very quiet, mm. um, but there is also that sense of, you know, if there were so many people killed there, you know, what does that mean for the atmosphere there? Does it do something to the atmosphere there? I mean, I'm not generally that kind of person sure. um, that thinks like that, but, you know, it does make you wonder a bit. Yeah, yeah. And that's the... the um I mean, it, it, it is a place, it is a forest, obviously, but, I mean, you know, it, it um, takes on a, 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 which is why the title is so, so beautiful as well, um, it takes on a, a different meaning, doesn't it, altogether? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, I mean... Yes, I'm pardon sorry. me, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, pardon me. No, I just, the idea of the singing forest was meant in two senses. One is in, in terms of music, uh-huh. um, but the other sense was, uh, like, the music of the forest, but also... Um, you know, it was singing in the sense of, uh, you know, revealing, um, uh, you know, in, in the sense that you might say, you know, a defendant is singing, you know, yeah. in, in the sense of uh, confessing or um, identifying uh, somebody else as a, a wrongdoer. Judith, I can't wait to finish the book. Um, congratulations on it and continued good luck with it. I, I so appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> The website for more is at judithmccormack.com. The book is called The Singing Forest. It's published by Biblioasis. It's author Judith McCormack. Join me on the line from Toronto and Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunton.